I, I can kick a rooster. I can't kick a fucking geese. Right? Yes, I have a solid chance against a rooster, but that goose will own me. Welcome to the Vessels of Kingsgrave, and welcome to Creature Chat, a podcast series where we discuss all manner of creatures. Today we are going to leave the realm of mythical and fantastical creatures behind us and return to reality for a brief moment. Uh, in this Creature Chat, we will be discussing animal beefs and phobias. So back to real, actual, existing animals again, and the reactions that they elicit in us or in other people, I suppose. I'm your host, Peter. I'm also known as Shellfish, and I'm joined by many vassals today. I'm joined by Sarah. Hey, it's Sarah, a.k.a. Dr. Blood. Xander. Yo, it's Xander, um, also known as the Lord Baron. Abby. Hi, it's Abby, or uh, Daisy Mormont. Marie. Hi, it's Mary, um, named Muria, and the Discords of Kingsgrave. <laughs> <laughs> and Jock? Jock, no Jock too in the forums. Adam? Hey, this is Adam, also known as Drowntown. And we may be jo- joined by Amber, the podcast lurker, later on, but we shall see about that. Okay, then. I guess, hmm... Sarah, since this was your idea, would you like to tell us all why you hate animals so much? <laughs> yeah, I are just starting with the call out here. I, I don't hate all animals. I think it's important <laughs> to make that distinction. Um, I don't know. I just I, I was struck in some of our other conversations, especially sort of the, the first one where we were talking about the nature of animals, that um, there is a very vexed relationship with a lot of um, like animal categories I think for a lot of people like insects and things like that and then you know in in other conversations it was coming out that you know we each have these sort of very peculiar and particular uh, associations or or you know family stories or whatever about about certain animals so I thought it'd be fun to kind of um, go into that a little bit oh yeah definitely I think we had a lot to talk about on the sort of later part of the dragon dragon episode of creature chat definitely and i suppose i guess we could go into our usual model of starting with a definition then so would you please tell us what is beef when you got a problem with someone what's for dinner (laughs) all of the above (laughs) is it the edible meat of the animal that goes moo Isn't it just a word for moo in French? Is it? I think so, right? Isn't it boeuf? Oh, yeah, no. uh, I mean, uh, (laughs) beef, boeuf. Yeah. Yeah, but that's the same. I mean, it doesn't mean moo. We do say moo as well for the uh, sound (laughs) that the cow makes. (laughs) (laughs) What is it? Is it boeuf just a cow then in French? Uh, Boeuf is vache. Uh, precisely, it's like the the. If you're talking about the animal, it's like the male, uh, cow, yeah, um, because vache is the female, uh, kind of, yeah. Um, I mean, neutered like male, I should say. 
Yeah, like a steer, I think. That's in English. Yeah, then you did one. I did not know that English contained these descriptors for whether a male cow has testicles or not. That's a very important <laughs> fact. Well, I mean, as readers of fantasy, do you guys know the uh, different names for castrated horses and such? Well, so gelding? Gelding, gelding, yeah. Gelding? Gelding. Gelding. Okay. And what's and a destrier? That's that's just like a big mean horse, isn't it? I thought that was <laughs> like, um, in in my in the way I say it, uh, in in medieval times you had in in I mean now we have um, races basically, and we we are like uh, okay, this is yeah we we um, separated the horses in in way more families, many more families, and uh, at the time you had you described the horse. Uh, with what uh, they were used to, so you you had war horses, you had lady horses, but that's not the word they would they would use, but that that's what they would mean. So to me, just destrier, that that's what it means. It's actually a French word, by the way. <laughs> I had no idea. <laughs> but anyway, beef also like buff also is just the word for uh, cow meat, same as in English, I guess. So I was. I was told at one point that, at least in English, the reason that we have the word for the meat and the word for the animal, so for example, pig and pork and beef and cow, is a byproduct of the um, Norman occupation of England, so that the upper class, like the sort of dominant classes, were um, speaking French, and then the servant classes were speaking Old English. So the master or mistress of the house would say in French, we want the cow for dinner. And then they would they would go out and say, like, kill the cow, right? But like, so the beef is the consumable, but really it was just a different word for the same animal. That, yeah, that's that fascinating. Well. And confirmed. Yeah. The Norman confirm aristocracy used, uh, I guess, the words that came from print into English were the ones that uh, the Norman aristocrats used, like the terms for warfare and cuisine, I guess, and mm-hmm. and maybe some sort of yeah. administration as well. Yeah, yeah. So you'd say like, you know, oh, we, we want the pork for dinner, right? And then the and then the peasant would go out and be like, kill the pig, you know, <laughs> like <so. laughs> kill the pig. Get the pig. I don't know why. I actually southern England. I actually have. I can cite this because I have the passage in my book open because oh, so according to word origins and their romantic stories by wilfred funk i think that's his name on page 343 he says that as the jester in sir walter scott's novel ivanhoe says the cattle were called sheep pig calf and ox by the native saxons but by the time they were served at the tables of the ruling normans they had taken on the more stylish french derivative names of mutton pork veal and beef a perfect example of class distinction in language. Yay! I had, nice. I'm fascinated, and I had never realized, and yet I, I speak both languages, so I should have kind of realized, <laughs> because it's true, it, it works for everything. Um, oh my god, that's... <laughs> yeah, this is actually quite interesting, but I guess this is more in the languages of Kingsgrave territory than... Uh, richer chat, I suppose, but I, I mean, I'm, I'm to blame for all of this. I'm, I do accept full responsibility, but yeah, I suppose 
as Xander said some 10 minutes ago, beef is when you have a problem with someone. So when you have a problem with an animal, I suppose that would be an animal beef then that we're looking for, I guess. A beef beef, if you will. Yes, if it is with, if it is with a um, cattle, I guess. Okay, but what is a phobia then? A fear. Well, that's so, a fear. Yeah. So it, one's an attitude. <laughs> one's an attitude it, problem, and the other one is a, a genuine. But it's more it's more complicated than that, right? Because like I'm very afraid of quite a lot of uh, insects and other spidery things. But I don't know if that would actually like in psychology qualify as as a phobia, really. I I genuinely don't know. I think it's like what's an a yeah, real phobia and what's and what's just a controlled fear. fear. And it's like yeah, I think that's people like to get the distinction between like say calling something a fear and calling something a phobia. But in terms of colloquial speech, I don't really think it matters that much because we all <laughs> understand what we're when we say like oh I have arachnophobia like we all understand that that means you're afraid of spiders and maybe you're not like a textbook arachnophobe who I don't know is irrationally afraid of spiders or something or like no such thing as being irrationally afraid of spiders that is well I was I was about to say the opposite like (laughs) uh, I mean I did in France where most if not all of the spiders are basically harmless it is it is kind of irrational I mean I'm afraid of a lot of a lot of bugs, basically anything that can fly at me and and be unpredictable in, in, in its direction. Um, <laughs> but it it is completely irrational. But I can still I, I still have a level of control over over it, and I think that's partly what distinguishes between fear and phobia is what you can actually do um, to control your reaction to it. I think that's true. Yeah, I, I my understanding is that a phobia is something that's debilitating. Um, either in the moment or, or sort of, you know, where it, perm- it interferes with your going about your your regular well, life. Um, yeah, it does for me, but yeah. Yeah, sort of debilitating is probably a good term, like sort of, but maybe even if you on a sort of a rational level can explain to yourself that there's no need to be afraid of this, uh-huh. uh, this creature, then you still have that very strong reaction to them. I suppose like Arachnophobia is probably the most common one, I, I suppose. And I feel like probably all humans have that to some degree. Even people who have spiders as pets, I think they sort of kind of like the danger of it or like the idea of like them being kind of, I don't know, forbidden pets or like kind of these creepy and scary things. Yeah, I was that way when I owned a um, power constrictor. Yeah, I had a snake too, and I still have nightmares about him getting out of his cage. Living on the edge. I do. <laughs> having a monster in your home. Yeah. Yeah, I suppose oifidophobia, the fear of snakes, is another big one that, as well, I think that most human beings do have an averse reaction to shake snakes and the sort of like fascination and um, interest in snakes that people get is probably more to do with that sort of appeal of danger rather than actually finding them like cute cute or cuddly or something like that. Would you agree? Yeah. Oh, sure. (laughs) If I was like outside um, or like in a forest or something and like a snake slithered past me, I'd definitely like jump and be like, oh, shit, you know, but 
Um, I don't think I react to snakes where my first thing is like, grab a shovel, get its head. Yeah, I think it's, it's like one thing to be startled, but it's like, I think about it with snakes because I, I think I really like snakes. I think they're really cute and interesting. But like, if I was, like when I go to Arizona a lot, when if we're hiking and a snake comes by, I will be startled, but usually fine. But if we're hiking and a rattlesnake comes by, then I freak the fuck out and run away screaming. If I even hear a rattlesnake, I freak the fuck out and run away. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, let's just say snakes are legitimately dangerous. Like people, yeah, yeah that is not irrational. Spiders and things, but like, yeah, there's a good reason to be fearful of the snake. And you know, most people have no idea whether a snake is poisonous or not. You know, um, though the the rattle is a good uh, a good indication. If you hear if you hear rattles near you, you're like, well. I, I think I talked about this before, but my snake that I had was a king snake, and he had like a very, very high opinion of himself, um, despite the fact that he was afraid of mice and refused to eat them. But he, whenever I came near his cage, he would tap his tail against the glass, so it would make a, a rattlesnake sound, and that was his like danger, danger noodle alarm, like, you know, so he, he, instinctively i assume replicated that rattlesnake rattle as a threatening gesture like without actually having a rattle which i thought was really interesting and also a huge douchebag move on his part would that sort of be but it's like the... what, what's called a dishonest signal in biology i believe where like a moth will have like fake eyes on its wings to ward off predators and if the king oh, snake was doing that sort of like rattlesnake behavior to kind of signal that it's um it's a rattlesnake even when it's not i mean yeah it could very well be because they are rattlesnake predators um like they're not venomous but they eat rattlesnakes in the wild so it may be yeah like an adaptation in in that respect but yeah what's interesting and it's like so, like, my reaction to hearing a rattlesnake and or seeing one is I see I feel very extreme. Like, I've literally run down a mountain before because I thought that I saw a rattlesnake. I'm not joking. And, like, rationally, I know that it, they won't bother you. Like, they are only likely to attack you if you bother them first. So I do feel that there is, like, an irrational factor into, like, a fear that I have with rattlesnakes, I guess. Like the difference with some of these animals is like you're not going to be anywhere near the bear, or like if you're in the ocean with the shark, which is you know scary, but like you're probably not anywhere near them. But a snake is in the bush, it's in the grass. Like you can very easily step on one or near one, and always lurking, be targeted, waiting, any idea. So I mean, it's not like you're just able to see a snake coming a mile away. That's not a problem. But like I'm saying, if I like I have been in a situation where I saw like I, I you know I saw a rattlesnake and it was quite far from me and I li- like I freaked the fuck out <laughs> and it's it's like mm-hmm. I know that this snake is not going to attack me like it's doing its own thing it doesn't even probably know I'm here and the only reason it would attack me is if I like threw a rock at it or something which my dad's friend did once which is the stupidest thing ever <laughs> um, and I, I know that but it's just that you know irrationally i'm like i'm going to die if i do not get the fuck out of yeah. here 
I, I mean, I, I don't off. think it's irrational to want to avoid a very venomous, venomous creature in your path. Does anyone else like to catch garter snakes? My instinct is always to go toward a creature. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> and we all know that snakes can be hunting packs. Never been. What's a pack of snakes called? <laughs> what is a pack of snakes? Spaghetti. Oodles of noodles. Uh, <laughs> a ramen. A ramen of snakes. So, Amber, are you, are you into weird things otherwise? Uh, in addition to approaching dangerous animals with curiosity, do you like to approach other things that are dangerous out of curiosity? I think... Do you mean like a, like a hot dude at the bar? Is that what you mean? No, I, I wasn't going that way. I don't know if that's, those are I dangerous been to a bar things. In but like I guess like think like extreme sports or like skydiving or something like that. Like, no. are you an adrenaline junkie? Absolutely not. I Just, used to think maybe I could think about skydiving, but I don't have any interest in any of that. Um, I just think I like like Abby. I think snakes are, are pretty adorable. I touched a rat once that was dying. That was a bad idea. Oh, like, like in I, the wild? I'll chase a raccoon. No, like in the fucking parking lot by the dumpster where it was sitting in the middle of the road. Oh, like a loose no. rat? Well, it was just sitting there and I thought, oh, I'm going to move it because I was driving. And I was like, well, I don't want this poor thing to get. Oh, but I yeah. didn't realize. I, I haven't Googled it, but I put together that I think like rats and mice. Do they go out? I've, I've seen sick ones that have clearly been poisoned that will just sort of sit in an empty, like on the sidewalk or in the middle of the road. By the way, I, I got bit and I had to um, go to the hospital and get a tetanus shot and bring the dead rat with me because it died like instantly after it got bit. Oh, no. Did that teach you a lesson? <laughs> <laughs> Don't <Sort> approach <laughs> loose rats. I mean, I did, I did chase... I feel I have a lot of guilt about I chased a mama and baby raccoon once until the baby like got sort of trapped in a thicket and I touched its butt first. <laughs> but, where, but it was where clearly did, where did you so chase these raccoons? Were they in your yard or somewhere? Um, in the we were out camping uh, somewhere, and I still feel bad about that. And then I squeezed a chipmunk once at a <laughs> national park. But that's his fault because he wanted my sun chips. So I grabbed it and it went, ah! and then I felt that I have a lot of animal guilt. Oh my God. I'm so like, oh, Myra. Amber, <laughs> Amber, I think that you should just stop touching animals because they don't I agree. Really seem like they want to be touched. <laughs> well, and how many dog bites have I gotten from my own chihuahua? So I think, I think there's something to what you're saying, Abby. Um, I will say though, sometimes if I'm in close proximity to a squirrel and the squirrel doesn't like run away like squirrels normally do, I do contemplate reaching out and trying to pet it. Yes, but yes. I've never actually done it. But it's I've probably not a good it. idea. Um, and I'll just say one more thing, and then I'll let you guys go. But uh... oh, so when I was 18, I lived in a tent in Alaska because I was working as a maid on this little island. There were, it was a canvas tent and there were 10 billion spiders. And I thought it was so clever because I figured out if you take a juice bottle and I would like cup it around them and just 
and like plop the spider into the bottom of the thing and then I put you, you know you put the lid on and then you just let them die on top of the moldy carcasses of their spider brethren and I thought I was so smart because I didn't have to squish Jesus. them <laughs> but then years later once again I have guilt because that's terrible and I should have at least like put some water in there so they would like die more quickly I don't know Okay, I guess I have beef with every okay. animal. Well, but, uh, thanks, thanks for that. <laughs> no, I think you maybe have an abnormal interest in touching animals, but I don't, that sounds more like curiosity than than beef to me. I do, I do feel like, like I, I was raised with very conflicting because, like, I, I too, like Amber, want to pet every animal that I see, but I was also taught in no uncertain terms that the more willing a wild animal seems to be to let you pet it the more likely it is to be like insane or contagious or rabid or you know so there's this very like whenever a squirrel stops and looks at me like it wants to be my friend I'm like do you or are you trying to give me a brain parasite because it could be either yeah I think (laughs) the only time I've ever I've ever actually pet a wild animal was when I was in Greece and there's a bunch of wild dogs but they're all tagged by the government to like make sure they don't have rabies and there was a puppy and I pet it and I probably shouldn't have pet the puppy but I did dogs are never wild I mean the um, others are feral I suppose rather than wild yeah. but I mean yeah. I guess it's yeah like I guess that would be the word yeah. do we consider um I guess we don't but I I'm not sure uh parasites like flea, fleas and lice and stuff animals we have beef with or are they not animals yes i those for me fall into the category of um masses like i i am not scared of an individual mouse but i'm scared of like a mouse pile um but (laughs) so for fleas like one flea i'm like ew gross but the thing that really freaks me out about it is that there's probably 80 billion other fleas like yeah yeah i've stopped petting animals including domesticated ones because I had, so I, I, I don't think that's a phobia, but it's, it's definitely a psychological thing, like a mental health thing. Um, my cat had fleas a couple of years ago and it just broke something in me. Like, it's so gross. I mean, yeah, but like for, for like a year and a half after that, I would see them everywhere. I only stepped in, slept in white sheets, uh, so that I could just, better see if if there were any in my in 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 my bed i kept checking the cat for fleas um and i and i kept yeah uh, like feeling them on my skin and it it was like really and it's still there like i i i know i still have a little tiny part of my brain when when i go uh, to someone else's place and they have animals or stuff i i i'm always a little bit like are you sure she she's she's safe? Are you sure your cat is okay? Are you sure uh, there's no like fleas uh, there in on on that couch? Um, it's it's going away. It's going away little by little, but it's still a bit there. So yeah, I think like those are real phobia, concerns. But, I mean, I yeah. don't know how how strong your sort of reactions to it are, but I think parasites and fleas and lice and bedbugs and like those. Those sorts yeah. of things are like they are still present in the world and they haven't gone anywhere. And so oh, we had a bed bug. Very yeah. sweet. Everyone, stay away from um, bread with black seeds on it. 
Anyone want to talk about Oh, well, Flex yeah. is relevant. Yeah, they, I saw they, what you were talking about. Yeah, they're, they're little shiny brown sort of <gasps> tear-shaped oh, oh, teeth. Oh. They're tiny, and they look like fleas. <laughs> and they're awful, but they taste delicious. <laughs> okay, yeah, I was like, I thought there was something, because I, I used to feed flax seeds to my rats, and I was like, was was I feeding them bugs or something? So that's just a visual resemblance between the, um, yeah. what was it, flaxseed and yeah. lice. Um, but we yeah, had but a I... bed bug, yeah, we had a bed, bed bug here in my apartment last week. My roommate thought that we had bed bugs, and like, <laughs> she was sleeping in our spare room. And like would was freaked out, but then our our landlord came by and with an exterminator and everything, and like there are no bed bugs. But oh for like gosh. a hot second, I saw a bug in my room, just like a normal bug, and I was like, oh my god, the bed bugs! There, like I was like, that bug is a bed bug. I even yeah. though I know that it wasn't a bed bug. <laughs> well, I just yeah, you realized feel very something. Sort of dirty and almost defiled when <laughs> yeah. you. It's it's just like they they invade your home, you know, and it's um, but. I thought this conversation was going to be more triggering than it is. Uh, It is triggering, but um, the fact that I don't actually uh, live anywhere near you, Abby, makes it fine because you would have, (laughs) if if you had been like a meter away from me uh, saying that, I would have been like, go away. (laughs) Abby, if you ever want to visit Mary, you're going to burn your clothes first. Burn the countryside (laughs) to the ground, yeah. We don't, we didn't have bugs. But there was a scare, though. Well, my roommate thought we had bedbugs. You're dead to us now. (laughs) I mean, it's like also lice, like... Be gone, leper. I've never dealt with lice. Like, I I never had them. I don't think my brother... Actually, my brother had lice once when he was at overnight camp, so they just shaved (sighs) his head. But, like, I wasn't there. Please, no. (laughs) So, like, the only time I've had to deal with lice is my rats had lice once, but it was rat lice, so it doesn't matter in terms of me, because it was for rats. don't jump to humans? Yeah, no, any animal has, all animals have, like, specific lice. So it's like, if your dog has lice, it's not going to affect you. Okay, but fleas, they jump from yeah. species to species. Yeah, I, I, I do get scared about ticks a lot, though, when I'm in, like, places with tall grass. Like, um, I remember I was in Nova Scotia, and we were hiking, and I was, like, constantly, every time I felt, like, a thing touch my leg, I was like, is it a tick? Is it a tick? Like, because my dad was like, make sure you're careful for ticks. And I was like, this is it. I'm going to die. I'm going to get Lyme disease. I don't even know if ticks here have Lyme disease, but I'm going to get it. Yeah, I'm the same. And like we were talking earlier about uh, is it a fear of phobia and does it like have an impact on your life? And like for me, generally, like ticks and, and fleas and a lot of insects, um, they do they do have a bad impact on my life. Like, And it's... It's not everywhere I go. Like I, there are places uh, in the countryside that I I don't feel afraid of, but there are others where where I've had one bad encounter or just that that I never never feel safe in. Um, and like my my mom's house is like that at the moment. And yes, I know it's clearly a projection of the fact that my stepfather doesn't welcome me there, but <laughs> it 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 is. Um, uh, I feel it in the in the fear of all of the so you the feel insects. It's sort of contaminated yeah. somehow. And yeah, I just like, I, like it's gonna infect you. It's gonna it's gonna oh, attack me. Like the house and the the 
garden attacks me. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I mean, I have oh, I have this fear. Is out to get you. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> no, like I have. When I was in third grade, I was like sitting at my desk at the school, and a spider fell out of the like fluorescent light. I guess it had been like living on. And onto my desk, and I freaked out. I actually, I, I ran up screaming, and my teacher walked up and just smashed it with her shoe. But um, ever since then, like, if I am standing under a light and I feel like, you know, sometimes you just feel like something touched you, even though nothing touched you, or like maybe it was fuzz. I am like, that is a spider that has fallen onto my head, and is a fear that I still carry with me all these years later. <laughs> I'm afraid of a spider falling out of a light, and like. So sometimes, I don't know why, but, like, I get random sensations <laughs> that something has, like, touched my head. And, you know, maybe it's, like, a leaf or maybe nothing has touched my head. Actually, I wouldn't be a leaf because there wouldn't be a leaf inside the house. But if I'm standing under a light and I feel like something has touched my head, I immediately start freaking out and thinking it was a spider. And it's never mm-hmm. happened to me since I was in third grade. So, who knows? I you see understand. Oh, no. Ooh, dogs. I hope Hi. that's not a flea bag. Uh, <laughs> go on. I'm sure it's not. I'm sure it's not, but I, I can never visit uh, Chuck now. <laughs> He's cohabitating with beasts. But so yeah. are you, though. So am I. And actually, like one of the mm. nice things, I mean, like I'm thankful uh, that in all of that, I didn't start like hating my cat like it was its fault, um, her fault. Um, and I didn't, I, I'm not afraid of her. I'm not uh, always afraid that she's going to bring bad things into my house so that's yay <laughs> only <laughs> most of the time not always she's going to bring bad things no i think one of the one of the things that's really interesting to me about all of this is that we seem to be gravitating towards a fear of things whose motivations we can't understand um whether it's like peter i think you mentioned this on the on one of the other creature chats where like we can't understand like snake body language or body mechanics so we don't totally understand how they're going to move or how they're able to move or um and I think the same is true of bugs too where like we have no concept of like how bugs operate I guess and so you know you can look at a cat and tell if it's well sometimes like but ostensibly you can look at a cat and like read its body language and know if it's okay or if it's dangerous or the same with a dog or like a horse or whatever but you've got a bug and you're just like, I don't know what even that is, but it's at me. You know what I mean? Well, like, I feel like with mammals and even birds, like shooing them away works. They sort of like understand that you're making a threatening gesture to them. So there's, that's kind of a form of communication, I suppose, but shooing away a bug, it also come back right back. So they're sort of like, it's almost like they don't even think that we are people to them. <laughs> Like, I don't know, they, yeah. like, bugs don't, like, maybe they don't, like, have that sort of theory of mind, maybe, I don't know. Yeah, it's almost like an alien life, like a completely alien life form that, as Marie was saying, like, invades our spaces and our, you know, sort of domestic yeah. sanctuaries and things like that with, without, seemingly without any kind of motivation or anything. Plus, there's always like, so many of them. It's like, if there's just one, mean, I'm like, ooh, I yes. got it. But, yeah. Yeah, I feel like those like bed, bed bugs and lice and fleas and ticks with the Lyme's disease, they feel very uniquely contaminating and sort of defiling because they carry disease. And there's the element of them being sort of hidden from you. And like you mm-hmm. don't know if you've got them. 
but with and they a actually much eat more you. common. Like I'm sorry, but they actually eat you. Like it's yeah, not they necessarily feed on a you. big part of you, but they do but feed on you. My point was that mosquitoes. I don't. I'm not very like. I don't. They don't disgust me quite the same. Less like they just make me things. angry. Yeah, they I make just, me like, really mad. Yeah, <laughs> I'm like yeah. you fucking try to feed on me, and yeah, that I've sort of like accepted them. Like, oh, you fucking asshole, just get get off me, I'll kill you. But it's yeah. not like, I guess ants are kind of the same thing, even though they're not actively trying to feed on me. I've sort of been desensitized to them. I suppose that they're kind of a fact of life, and I'm like, okay, yeah, um, ants and mosquitoes, but I guess bed bugs and fleas are sort of. Abominations that shouldn't exist. There's a difference. Yeah. And and the difference but, like, is, is in numbers, like like Sarah was saying, like you you rarely get like a whole host of, of mosquitoes, hundreds of them possibly in your house. You 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 know you have a few of them, but it it's not the same invasion. Yeah, the well, yeah, odds are in your well, favor like, when there's a <laughs> They probably don't yeah, uh, I... feed in your house, mosquitoes don't, but the yeah. other sort of parasites do well it's like i when i um went to like i freaking hate mosquitoes because i get really really bad reactions to them but like i'm not afraid of them and like i've seen swarms of mosquitoes like if you spend time outside <coughs> excuse me sorry if you spend time outside in after like a rainy season you know they're all gonna that's how they breed and whatever but like i'm not afraid of them i just they're annoying and I think that they are one of the only animals on the planet that if they disappeared, nothing would happen, um, ecologically speaking. But then oh, it's like, really I'm also I'm also really afraid of bees, even though I know like bees aren't going to hurt me. Like bees and like wasps, oh, the wasps, they are assholes and will try to hurt you. But um, like I freak out when I see those and they're not parasites, but it's like there's something that can hurt me, <laughs> even though they probably yeah, the are not going to. There assholes with that will sting you and cause you grief i suppose but, but yeah I, they don't they don't infest your home though well i suppose like bees or wasps wasps can sort of like make a nest in your garden but they don't usually come inside the house or maybe in the attic yeah. or the rafters but yeah like at my house growing up we had um like a wooden fence in our backyard and for some reason i think i don't know what kind of bee it was probably like a bumblebee or whatever they had like a nest inside of, I don't know actually if it was a nest or a hive or whatever, but they would come out of the fence a lot. And like, that would freak me out on my like coming home from school and like trying to get into my house, you know, and outrun the bee. <laughs> but like, yeah, I guess they don't really, yeah, that was actually pretty scary for me, <laughs> you know, like, and I would be afraid to like spend time outside in my backyard, <laughs> like the single bee. <laughs> yeah. And I, feel like that's kind of warranted for a lot of people as well because people have bee allergies and they can like die from it as well go into anaphylactic shock i believe it's called yeah i mean i've been stung by bees before and i'm not like allergic to them or anything i just don't want to repeat the experience hurt you just made me think and this is kind of going back to snakes but the house i grew up in um as a kid there's an old brick house, and um, so there's a lot of cracks and crevices all over. Um, during the summer months, when it was snake season, literally dozens would pour out of it. <gasps> that's completely unacceptable. That's horrific. Just, yeah, that's, <laughs> I just I like I, that's part of my fear of uh, my mom's house. It's uh, like in the summer, it's always buzzing. Uh, they're not inside, but they are. Like we have flowers on the walls. Um, and 
on the walls, uh, exterior walls of the of the house, um, and they they are just like there all day, and it's just it's literally buzzing if you're like reading. Uh, in 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 the garden, not not too far away from them, you can hear the buzzing all day, and it's it's driving me mad. I can I can wow. never be feel completely Watching, safe. Waiting. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. Sort of a so fun crazy. game, like I, if there I, was a <laughs> button that you could push and it would kill all the insects on the planet, would you push it? I would. <laughs> no, uh, I only if it killed I mean, mosquitoes. Uh, mosquitoes can leave. Everything else is like it, it's needed for ecological balance. Mosquitoes, they can get the fuck out. But if you wanted to kill mosquitoes, but you also have to kill bees and butterflies and like no. those cool beetles to do No, it. obviously not. <laughs> we would starve to death. <laughs> we would all die. No, it's but like, if a small I price to them, pay for it... lack of mosquitoes, then. <laughs> if I could kill them and it had no impact on on yeah the the. Or the balance uh, in the world. Um, I I don't know if I would do them do that because I I don't like to kill um, living things. Do you but, not oh like my to God. play God? No, I don't. But oh my God, my life would be so much easier. Yeah, I think this I... sort of like shows that we are mostly worried about these days, sort of animals that are pests or uh, little insects and stuff like that. I don't think people have to worry about like other sorts of pests like rats that much either i mean i guess wally has been battling with raccoons and squirrels in his yard but i guess we don't have to worry about any like man-eating animals in our daily lives anymore and i suppose in some rural areas some people still have to deal with man-eaters but but that's that sort of beast has been slain for most of humanity i suppose yeah, like, we had mice this winter in my apartment, which I'd never had to deal with before, and, like, honestly, like, I would have preferred to catch the mice and, like, release them into the wild, but it was winter, so they were gonna die either way, but, like, I wasn't afraid of my house, even though, like, I saw the mice, you know, it was like, I knew they were there, but, like, it wasn't like I was afraid of them, I was just like, this is unpleasant. <laughs> I think there's a, um... More than- I think there's a food safety issue too, like an instinctive food safety issue that we're not really talking about with the swarming insects. Like I, I was thinking about it because I had um, maggots at the bottom of my trash can and I just about died. Like it was mm. the worst thing I have <laughs> ever seen. And I, it, it was, oh my God, it was, it was truly horrible, but it was like, it was a, a panic on the level of like a zombie invasion. You know what I mean? Like it was, it was these undead like <laughs> Tale, squirming you know, yeah like like corpse creatures i don't know but i think it's because, <laughs> yeah. like it would be a it would be a sign of like rotten heat or a putrefying wound or something you know something that would be like very very directly threatening to our physical oh, no. well-being i think you, but, i think you're scared of marie oh sorry <laughs> <laughs> no, but no, it was like no, it was just yeah but uh yeah so I, I think that there's um and i was thinking about too because there's uh in an anglo-saxon poem that's um a, a disputation between the body and the worms and it's like a, a body in the grave talking to the worms that are eating it um and the one of the worms makes the point that like they've been around your whole life so like the the parasitic kind of 
co-occupation, I guess, is something that was taken a lot more for granted um, in earlier periods yeah, than for it sure. is for us. Um, I feel like maggots, especially, and worms sort of inhabit that place in culture where it's like the ultimate indignity for us humans who consider us so above nature and so like unique and wonderful that we will all be food for worms in the end. And yeah. like that idea is very disconcerting to people and with good reason. It as is. Well. It just, I think, I, I do think it's like all about context though, because like I know there's actual medical uses for maggots in terms of cleaning um, infected yeah, wounds they eat and dead stuff. flesh. Mm-hmm. So yeah. that's yeah. not a very good job for them. <laughs> I mean, that doesn't. But, Redeem them or like, make them virtuous. They just do their like, job I of buy, eating dead flesh. Yeah, like for my hedgehog, I buy like containers of mealworms even <gasps> to feed her, and like she doesn't eat them, which is stupid. So I'm gonna buy slugs now or snails now. But anyways, that's a different point. But um, like it's not gross to me to have this like little plastic container of like a hundred mealworms sitting in my fridge. But if I were to like encounter a hundred mealworms in the wild or like unexpectedly that I did not purchase, I would be very uncomfortable. <laughs> you know, like the free mealworm, the gratis mealworms. I, I have more than once been eating something from the pantry and discovered at the bottom that there were mealworms in it. And it, it, it is something that takes me years to get over when it happens. And it's, it's so, uh, but it's, but I do think that it's like a, it's, it hits at the very core of like, my resources are being threatened, right? Like that. <laughs> yeah, I definitely, <laughs> I've definitely cooked artichokes before and there's been mealworms like hidden in the, the flower of it or like the, the leaves on the artichoke. And now I'm like, anytime I cook an artichoke, I'm like, okay, I have to open this whole thing up and <laughs> clean it out real good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, last fall, well, I do this thing where I sometimes collect oak acorns because I like to touch them and like sort of as, as a stress toy or something. But yeah, I had this oak acorn last fall and one day I had this sort of sudden urge to bite into the acorn and crunch it in my mouth. And I did that and there was like this big fat white worm inside the acorn and it was in my mouth. And that, did, that did not feel good. And when I had done that, I was I was wondering about my choices in life quite a bit. <laughs> Just, oh. This is horrific. Like I'm <laughs> dying just hearing this story. Oh my god! Oh, this is this is Marie saying, yeah, like this is why she she doesn't eat a lot of fruit. And I completely like I completely agree with that. And there was that passage in um one of the Song of Ice and Firebox where Arya eats the apple that she finds on the ground, and then there's like a worm in it, and she eats the worm too. And I was just like, <laughs> like why? yeah, no, no, yeah. Oh my god! Out of yeah, all like, the hard I... things that happened in the books, like. <laughs> 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 I love fruit, so I would never be able to, like, do that. But I remember I was eating a fig once, and my friend was like, did you know that, like, the way that figs are, pollen- like, created is, like, a wasp dies in the flower, and then the fig, da da And I was like, okay, that's disgusting. Am I never going to eat figs again? But then I Googled it, and that's only one specific type of fig. And so I was like, I can live with that, even if this is the type of fig that I'm eating. I'm like, I will just tell myself it's not. <laughs> yeah, that was fucking wild. I watched that David Edinburgh the perfect planet documentary recently and they had footage of from inside the fig where the wasps had this like fucking weird cycle where they pollinate the fig somehow but they they also like lay eggs in the fig and there was something about incest and like the one of the parts of the uh animal that mates is like newborn and they 
only exist to breed in there. And oh, it was just fucking gross and weird. So weird. I don't remember the details exactly, but <laughs> yeah, it was so, not a good look. So many gross things in this pla- on this planet, and I mean, ugh. <laughs> yeah, too much. <laughs> like I really like caterpillars. Like I, I, well, I I do and I don't. So we, my the past two years, my kids and I have ordered caterpillars don't off touch Amazon the so that ones. we can we can hatch butterflies. Yeah, and like they're so gross like they're so much grosser than i realized but like they're they were all spiky you know they made me very uncomfortable but um there was an organic restaurant in our in our town and somebody told me once that they were eating and they had a salad and there was like a caterpillar on their salad and that restaurant's not even there anymore but every time i drive by i feel nauseous like thinking about that story this unholy place right but if i no, yeah it was like the ground itself is is anathema (laughs) now but but I would, if I found a caterpillar in the garden, I wouldn't, I mean, I would be like, oh, a caterpillar, you know, and I'd like, like look at it and stuff. So, I mean, I feel like maybe when something is out of place, um, or like, again, that sense of invasion where like, this is, it's not supposed to be here. And... But what about intentionally eating insects? Have you guys ever eaten insects or other invertebrates? I mean, yeah, yes. shellfish, obviously, but <laughs> yeah. Yeah. When the 17 years cicadas, um, came to Illinois or not came but like whatever when I was growing up and I think it was like eight or seven or eight <clears throat> when um we had our 17 year cicadas in my childhood we had a barbecue and we ate the cicadas <laughs> and you just like pick them up off the ground and cook them <laughs> yeah it's Why? yeah it's, what not even store yeah. cicadas just cicadas off the ground most cicadas <laughs> Wild. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. You just grill them or barbecue them or whatever. I don't remember how we did it, but um, are they yeah, completely I, edible? Like, or do you take the, do you gut them or like? Yeah, that's what I, I was gonna ask. Don't remember. I was quite young, and like my dad was just like, "Here are cicadas," but um, I mean, they were good. Like, it's like I mean, like I would eat crickets or something. You know, if someone like prepared me crickets and was like, "Try it," and be like, "Okay," like I, I mean, I'm, I'm I'm down to try anything, so I would do I it. Ate you know, locusts. <sighs> <laughs> Bell was as locusts. I mean, that I for me is like a texture. I feel like that would be a huge texture problem for me, less so than the fact that it was a bug. Like, I think it would just be too crunch. Like, I don't like crushing bugs either because they're too crunchy. Yeah, I yeah, feel like I mean, those like eating locusts and other insects that have been cooked. I feel like they would have that same thing that like popcorn has, like the popcorn, like the skin of the corn will get stuck in your teeth and I feel like that would be a big problem <laughs> with insects. Yeah. Popcorn exoskeleton. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> You've got a... You, you got a bug leg in your teeth? Uh, the identifiable body parts I think would also be a big problem for me. Like, oh, this is a this is an antenna. You know, like... I don't know. Uh, yeah. Ooh, there's so many issues all like, I don't like eating a whole of something like the fish with the head still on or like where you eat the anchovy and you just like put it in your mouth like uh, uh, uh. yeah so it's a small uh, enough fish i'm willing to eat the whole thing i kind of find it fun to kind of think that it's the whole thing eating it and i sometimes like chew the cartilage from like rotisserie <gasps> chicken as well. it's, i'm very upset right now nice, <laughs> nice to feel the bones of the <laughs> in a very visceral way i suppose Oh my god, what are you? What are prawns? Aren't they basically the same thing? Prawns? Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, that's yeah, they're, they're, they're identifiable. Water. Yeah, I don't like those either. Gigatus, I guess. Yeah. I have no idea what's going on. Well, aren't all shellfish just water bugs? Yes, we are. But that's our word. Like crawfish? Like, do, does anybody... Cra- crayfish? Crawdads? I don't know what you call them. Like the Crawdaddies. tiny lobsters? Yeah, we call those, like, just crabs, but... In Finnish, well, we don't call them crabs, but it's like, the, <laughs> like I guess the umbrella term for crab that you might have is like the crawdad instead of like, I guess in English you might think of like a king crab when you think of a crab, just a crab. Yeah. Like a crustacean. We, I think you would just call it a crustacean. Like for me, crabs are ovals and then like lobsters and crayfish are oblong, singular, I guess. It's, like, it's the <laughs> hot dog way versus the hamburger way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the paper. The, I hate the hamburger crabs. Are crabs. I love shellfish. Yeah. I uh, freaking, oh my god, I like mussels and oysters, and sea urchins, uh, and crab and lob. I love it. Well, I just had some nice like prawn pasta yesterday and today. Oh. Creamy sauce and tomato and. I mean, mm, it was so good. I guess I I wouldn't eat them anyway because I'm a vegetarian. Uh, but those are the kind of things that I, I don't regret at all like I'm it's it's not a sacrifice to to never eat shellfish ever again <laughs> I'm literally a pescatarian because I love fish and shellfish too much to give up eating it but mm. I don't mind meat I'm like very impartial too like I think it tastes good but I also am like fine living without it <laughs> especially because I hate chicken chicken tastes I disgusting like, I feel like I'm the opposite of whatever a pescatarian is like Except that there's a lot of meat I won't eat. Like, I'm very, I'm a very, I would definitely not survive in the wild because I have a very, like, limited range of foods that I'm willing and able to so eat. So you would, as evolution led you to over-specialization? I think so, yeah, I do. I, I think <laughs> I'm a very niche predator at this point. Like <laughs> Your beak has evolved I, from a very specific right. type of fruit. <laughs> exactly, yeah. <laughs> but not fig. Yeah. I have, like, I have I know what foods I like and what like I don't like, but I will try anything at least once. So like I have eaten a pig brain before because I was like, why the fuck not? You know, I'll try anything. So I might not like it, but I'll try it. The proximity of like I thought pigs were especially um, dangerous because they're physiologically so similar to so like you get you're much more likely to get parasites from pork than you are from other kinds of meat because they're more readily transmittable is that i have accurate? no idea i was just i was in france and they were like do you want some um was it called like uh tete de fromage and i was like sure <laughs> why not that is so misleading and rude uh, what the pig brain is yeah yeah but i'm like <laughs> like i don't have fromage i'm like yeah i'll have some fromage no yeah. no I'm, <laughs> I, I'm lost on what we are talking about, but that must be because I haven't eaten French gastronomy in 15 years. <laughs> so I went to a fancy restaurant once and ordered sweetbreads, and it had this like sour cream and mushroom sauce, and I thought it sounded amazing. And I said, what is sweetbreads? And the fucking fancy waiter was like, uh, it's from the north part of the cow. And... 
I didn't realize until I like took a bite and it just had a weird flavor. And I was like, what is this? He said, it's brains. And I was oh very upset God. and I sent oh it back because I didn't want it. Yeah, that yeah. sounds a little deceitful. Wait, like, I, thought mean. Was, I thought it was cow testicles. Or, well, that's blue no, mountain that's oysters. Rocky, Rocky mountain. Rocky right mountain. Okay. I think those are okay. sheep, actually. Sheep testicles. Okay. I think the blue mountains are Middle Earth. <laughs> I, I think it's. I they think it's, um, it's telling <laughs> that we that we went from beef uh, with animals to eating animals. Like that's the way well, we I are. Have... Taking but why are they so or... goddamn tasty, though? <laughs> oh my god, they are not. <laughs> I will say I have beef with roosters, and I also really don't like the taste of chicken. So, you know, I don't think correlation. You roosters. So do, do you? Well, their roosters eat... are stupid. Why? Why do they exist? <laughs> Beyond, like, this is no, like, they're just assholes. I, this is literally okay. Cock unless the walk. I right? don't know what you know, like <laughs> wild chickens. I don't even know if wild chickens exist anymore, but like they, they, they do, wild they're chickens. They're called uh, red jungle fowl, I think. Okay. They're in like well, Southeast Asia. Well, they can do Asia. whatever. Well, they can do whatever the fuck they want. Yeah. But I'm talking about like roosters in farms are fucking stupid. First That's of all, so they're cool. all they're like colorful, aggressive dinosaurs. Chased. I've been pecked and chased by a lot of roosters, and I do not like them. And they don't do anything at the farm because the chickens can produce eggs to eat without the roosters. Like my uncle has chickens and he doesn't have a rooster and they give eggs. So like, I what thought the they had to have a point? rooster around, like for suggestion. Like that was that was always my idea. Where I was like, you don't necessarily. They kind of just need to like see that there's a dude so that like maybe they could lay an egg. I don't know. Like maybe that's not. <laughs> Keeping them in false hope. So who <laughs> are who are bigger assholes? Uh, geese or roosters? Geese. Roosters. Geese. Because geese. they have no function. Geese are wild animals. They can geese. do whatever the fuck they want. <laughs> no. Roosters no, geese. Are, I'm going to use geese. I, I think you're alone in this, Abby. No, geese. You're. No, geese. Okay, sorry. Alright, here's the thing. So, roosters are stupid. They're like. But they're almost like too stupid to be jerks. Like, they're kind of just like. Have you ever been chased around by a rooster? Because it's have not you fun. been abused yes. by a goose because they're bigger yeah, and they're say faster. Goose abused. Abuse. <laughs> I, I can take a rooster. I can't take a fucking geese. Right? Yes. I have a solid chance against a rooster, but that goose will own me. Like, there's no... Plus, they have this very kind of like wasps, right? Where like they have this like especially, so they they don't just bite you; they pinch and twist, which is just oh, they don't let go. Hateful, yeah. But and it's there's like, always I mean, like four of them. Yeah, yeah. yeah they like, have like they always travel in like a posse. Yeah, they're no, looking to do damage. They're not just looking to deter you. Yeah, I heard that about zebras that like a horse will bite you. It was kind of like uh, kind of peck at you, like to make you go away, but a zebra will bite you and it will not let go. It will just <laughs> jump on but, tight. I mean, that's why you can't the, but their natural them. predators are lions. I feel like, yeah, they'd have to be like a little bit more street than, than a horse. The thing is, the beef that I had with roosters, or not with roosters, with geese, was when I was a kid, I thought, um, you know when they like aerate the ground um, and like they leave all the like... Um, it looks uh, like goose poop! Yeah, so I thought that was all geese poop, and I was like, why are Same. geese peeping, pooping, pooping 
everywhere. But then Same. I found out it wasn't all goose poop. And so then my beef with them kind of went away because I was like, okay, it's not the geese just taking shits literally all over town. But they do. It's disgusting. They're very unsanitary. And so mean. are these sort of like the geese that are causing problems? Are you talking about Canadian geese? I, this is unexpected letter, Kenny. <laughs> do you have... If you have a problem with the gooses, you have a problem with... <laughs> I don't know what that is. Letter oh. This is some sort of American the TV show. with Canada... The Canadian, Canadian goose that I have is it. that Canada Goose, the company, people who buy Canada Goose oh, yeah, the that jackets. don't actually explore in the Arctic, you don't need Canada Goose. They opened a Canada Goose in Chicago because people just buy it as a winter coat. You don't need that. You well, you want the this, best like, in slot item, though. You gotta get you it. You don't. You don't need this like eight hundred dollar jacket. Like you can buy like a well, North Face, which is nice enough for like two hundred dollars. What else do you load over your PS if not a Canadian goose jacket? Facts, but <laughs> yeah, like, the Canada goose jackets are like everyone has them up there, but they're like a super status symbol. Up there, they just call them like, goose jackets. Well, okay, as someone who lives in, like, Montreal, right, okay, where we get pretty pretty harsh winter, like, I won't, you know, nothing again, we don't have, you know, a Winnipeg winter, or, like, a Nunavut, whatever, but the the stereotype is the only people that wear Canada goose are foreigners, <laughs> like, people who are not Canadian. Oh, no, I would rather than all is, like, everyone has those stupid jackets. No, it's all the French people have them, because they've never experienced, like, a really harsh winter. And, like, that's about it. <laughs> yeah, but, like, you know, you can get the good jacket at, like, you know, Ross and keep you warm. Yeah, I guess it's a bit of sort of over, over-gearing yourself for the challenge level of the encounter. Like, maybe if we were living in now. Northern... If we were in Northern Quebec, like, maybe it would be a little more warranted because it's brutal up there. Or like northern Ontario, you know, or Nunavut or Yukon, but we're not. But yes, uh, probably the brand is very important in that. Like, do you think if you wore a goose jacket, the goose would know? Like, would it sense it and like <laughs> avenge its family? I mean, I don't think so. Like, I have, I mean, I've owned goose all my winter coats that I've ever owned. I think we're goose down, and I've never been chased by a goose for. Also, I guess the geese wouldn't be there when I'm wearing the winter coat because they would have migrated. <laughs> but still, I don't think they would know. But yeah, aren't those sort of like the geese that are problems in cities are the sort of white, black, and brown ones, which I believe are called Canadian geese? Mm-hmm. Yeah, with the black heads. And they're very fecund and... <laughs> I don't know if they're aggressive necessarily, but they're large and kind of, they're everywhere. And I don't know, like, maybe we should start taking matters into our own hands and get rid of them. Who's with me? I'm not going to, they're going to hear us, man. I uh, know, conspiracy. <laughs> They've already, already a couple steps ahead of us. Right. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, yeah, so that's my that's my major animal beef. And then there's like a, just a bunch of animals that I find very untrustworthy, like horses. Like horses are just same. 
Like I really want to like them and they're very cool. And like, I wish that I could have a real relationship with a horse, but I feel like they're just waiting for a chance to fuck me up. (laughs) The only thing I don't like about horses is that weird foaming thing they do is really gross. But like, otherwise horses are fine. Like their dicks are really big and that creeps me out. But like, that's about it. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) That's a very different kind of animal beef. Yeah, <laughs> I, I I love horses so much, but I I get it. I think they are they are a bit hard to read, um, and they are also, well, they are strong animals. Like, I I was uh, re-listening to um a reread episode uh earlier in the week, and it was the one um about the tourney of the hands when um. Uh, yeah, Laura Tyrell's horse just, uh, distracted Gregor's horse. And Bina was like, uh, oh, I don't, I don't remember who was like, uh, but really? Like, would it work? Cause it, w- when you have Gregor sitting on top of you, you basically have no, <laughs> no freedom to do anything. And that's, that's like really not true. They are really strong animals. Uh, yeah, if I mean, they I don't to want to. be strong as fuck to carry Gregor Clegane on his back. That's a good yeah. point too, yeah, right? Yeah. So if they don't want you on their backs and if they decide to go left, they're gonna go left and, uh, <laughs> uh, and you cannot do much about it when they really want to. So I, I get why you would find them untrust, untrustworthy. Um, but I think that's, that's a shame because they are so, really, Marie, Amazing you, animals. You ride horses? Yeah, I do. Although I'm not a big fan of them at the moment because my um, mum had an accident uh, a couple of weeks ago. Oh. Uh, uh, she, yeah, she, I mean, yeah, <laughs> stupid horse in that case. He was like, well, that, that um, fence is just really, really low. So I'm not. It's it's not high. I don't need to really jump, right? So he basically oh. didn't jump, and <laughs> and they both fell. And anyway, <gasps> she's she's okay, but uh, but she's gonna have some recovery time. It's not. She spent oh. some time in the ho- in a hospital. Sorry, it's yeah, not the best. Oh. Yeah, that's like that. Always strikes me that like talking about earlier times in history where horses were much more utilized in society that. You would have a lot of accidents, like you hear in stories a lot of the times that people die in just falling off the horse or uh, get. I mean, it is a dangerous sport, yeah. Like, like get kicked in the head when shoeing a horse or stuff like that. So, they are definitely dangerous animals, and that sort of um, uncertainty and anxiety that Sarah was talking about, not knowing what they're going to do, is warranted, I believe. Yeah, I, I, I. I sorry, uh, I I agree with that, but I also think that's why um that's that's why you need to uh have a good way of of working with them from from the start and that's why we we have um I mean some horses are really well trained and are really safe to, safe around humans because it's been drilled into their heads to not do to sudden movements to uh, be careful about their own strength and their own uh, weight when they are around humans and and they are trustworthy you know like i i have i have a picture of me uh, in my in my mum's arms when i was like 
like one and we are in 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 a field with um with a horse and her baby horse oh horse. Yeah. sounds pretty uh, idyllic it, it it's perfect and the 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 mom is, uh, she was my grandmother's horse and the baby horse ended up being my mom's horse. Um, and the, the four of us in that picture. And I mean, what I mean is when, when you can trust a horse when you know it and, and usually except in, in grave circumstances with really scary stuff, you can trust them. And so is yeah. there a sort of a relationship that? develops between i mean this is romanticized often in fiction at least but that there's almost like a bond or like this yeah imprinting I think, that happens with horse and rider i think there is a bond that? um i think there is a bond it's it might not be as strong as with other animals um but yeah there's definitely there's definitely a bond uh, and i mean you couldn't have when you see like what we do with horses now and and the sports we 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 do and like the things we make them jump and are very high and very like some stuff are really could be really scary and dangerous for them so they just wouldn't do it uh if they didn't trust their rider and and you 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 see that actually when when horses start to not trust their rider because you made mistakes uh they they just they refuse to jump. They don't. Uh, yeah. So there is a bond. Uh, it's just not as they're oh, not so very. So you unlock new again. abilities as you increase your approval with the horse. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, I do. I do think. Yeah, like in in my case, I think it's that I've never had a relationship with. Like I've never, you know, ridden a single horse for a second. And I would like to think that if I owned a horse or like had my own horse, that I would be. It would be a little bit more reasonable because like. It's the same for me with dogs where, you know, I can, I can look at my dog and know exactly what it's thinking. And I, I think that's a question of, you know, the sort of longevity of the relationship and things. Um, but I mean, also like my daughter's taking riding lessons right now and they were in a panic on Sunday morning to switch out all of the horses for all of the lessons because it was real windy and like all the horses were just losing their minds. So they were like, well, we can't put these little kids on you know this horse this horse or this horse because it's too windy so the whole yeah, so stuff like they that have like, a sort of a they delicate temperament i suppose well or that's a personality spooked. yeah it's like yeah. a lot of horse it's all yeah, like they would have basically it's it's not just personality it's um it's also just like between young ho- young horses and and like really well-trained horses who are not going to react in the same way. And that actually, like, I'm always struck by the amount of people who think ponies are baby horses, because <laughs> that would mean that you would you would have kids ri- riding horses that are basically untrained or just just trains and that's that's scary ponies are like the chihuahuas of the horse world like they're they're like demon <laughs> uh, I mean, <laughs> ponies are so mean <laughs> that's true <laughs> they're very stubborn <laughs> i mean i feel with horses it's kind of like this that i kind of feel like they're a very mundane and kind of boring thing that kind of like permeates human culture in a lot of ways in all sorts of places like just the horse and rider and everything but sometimes i get this glimpse of like understanding that this is like a barely domesticated animal that people are just riding atop of and 
like if horses weren't as known as they are today and we just discovered that species we'd be like oh what is that that's so cool it's kind of like a giraffe or what is it what is it like oh like what does that animal look like and like it's a uh, interesting to sort of consider horses from an alien's perspective i suppose i mean i think it speaks well, a, lot a lot to laziness as a motivating factor in human evolution because like or human development because i mean how like how lazy would you have to be and how against walking would you have to be to be like, I'm a, I'm a climb on that and I'm going to ride it around. <laughs> you know what I mean? And then like go through all of the, the things that you have it's to actually, do to be able to do that. Horse, horse of the evolution of um humans and like horses is, I don't think, I think it's very not well known actually. Like we don't have, we kind of know like where horses were first starting to be domesticated, but we don't know exactly like, how it came about or whatever with a lot of um early societies or early groups of people and so, so it's madness. like well it is because it's like I, I this is me talking out of my ass right now because I can't remember this off the top of my head but um I'm pretty sure you know it's like Mongolia area was like where um people first domesticated horses to be able to ride them because it was like an effective means of transportation obviously because they're like a big empire that is trying to Actually, but even before then, of course, sorry, I'm totally talking out of my ass. But, um, yeah, because the Mongolian Empire is not that old. But, um, like, the, the domestication of horses was definitely, like, a big advancement in um, technology for, like, the capability of, like, humans to travel long distances and stuff. Isn't the idea that the Indo-European people that are kind of a theoretical people, at least the languages, I think, the proto Indo European. Oh, I took proto I took proto Indo European. I speak the hypothetical language. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. Is I'm it not the idea that yet. they they were like horse nomads or in somewhere in the Siberia or Mongolia area? Yeah, no, that yeah, it's part of it. But um but like I think based off like the archaeological sites that have been found, like no one is able to correctly determine like or like just not correctly determined but like you know there's like hypotheses and like but no concrete proof of like okay were they able to you know do agriculture i can't remember or like what um type of uh food domestication like what type of societies they were but like no one's able to be like oh were they able to do this because of the horses or did they do the because i want to say it was um agriculture no not pastoralism sorry and like um, were they able to do it because of the horses or did they do the pastoralism first and then the horses were able to be demand- like no one knows I feel like horses are weird because we don't have anything that they really want like dogs carrots are clear but like I feel like sometimes <laughs> they don't really give a shit if you have carrots like I don't know I feel like dogs I, I understand sort of like, like what Abby was saying like I understand the path to domestication for dogs very clearly because like they remain blatantly food motivated. And you know what I mean? Like, it's just, and you're kind of like, yeah, I want a little scritch and I want a bone and like, we're going to be best friends forever. But cats are like kind of <laughs> ambivalent. The and then, like, and then like horses, like, you're just like, Hey, you want, you want this apple? And they're like, I don't know. I might kill you, but yeah, that sounds good. You know? And it's like, I, I don't know. I just, I feel like the, animals the are, uh, I mean, horses are really prey animals. Uh, ah, that's what it, yeah. So they are very submissive. I mean, not all of them, and 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 not necessarily. Um, it, it, I mean, yeah, uh, they are more submissive. I would say that there are a lot of other animals like cats. Um, and I I don't I don't know. I don't know if 
um I don't know if like dogs uh, were so food motivated before they were domesticated. I think that's also something that they evolved into. Um, and I'm I'm not sure domestication really uh, needs the animal to regain something in it uh, to happen. I, I think that I think that's what it, about, though, like, I think it's the fact like... that they're that they're prey animals. Like, I think that's, I mean, we were talking about like whether or not you can relate to their thought process. And I think like on some fundamental level, like I don't understand being afraid of grass sometimes because Is that I'm, a predator I, animal yeah, like my, I, my eyes aren't on the side of my head. You know what I mean? Like, I don't, <laughs> I, don't I don't know. There's sort of like a basic kind of like brain disconnect that, that may very well be what it is. That's very interesting. But uh, like there are some other animals that people ride on, other mounts out there, like camels. And I guess if you're light enough, you can ride a donkey or an or an or a mule as well. But uh, I remember when I was um first studying um South American and Mesoamerican archaeology, when I learned that llamas used to be like more dispersed across the Americas, and I, and that was like you know the mode of transportation. And like there were like llamas just you know in the South America er- South United States area, and it's like people just ride them. <laughs> it's wild to me. Are they mountain animals? Uh, yeah, I think they're most, or maybe it's alpaca. Like I don't really know the difference between llamas and alpacas, except for the fact that alpacas are friendlier. But um, like mo- that people use them for um travel transportation, you know, like in the um. What is the freaking name of the Peru? Um, the, yes, thank you. Um, but they like are they're kind of like donkeys, you know? They're like good for um. Yeah, they're very sure sh- footed, aren't they? Yeah, and they're good for like carrying things, you know. So it's like oh. Like modern hunters use alpacas sometimes as like pack mules in sort of hard to access hunting grounds. I suppose they'll like take them and like have them carry saddlebags with the meat. I've seen that on a documentary show. I do actually have a bit of beef with llamas, not alpacas, but that's mostly because my professor insisted on calling them llamas because, like, that's the, how they're pronounced in Spanish. But I'm like, but we're speaking English, and Come I, on, yeah. I can never, I can never like think about llamas without thinking about the fact that she was always calling them llamas. And like, she's just this Canadian lady. Like, she she speaks French as first language, and I'm like, what? <laughs> It's like those professors yeah. just been calling it human humanity studies. I was saying like instead of saying Los Angeles, saying like instead of the H, as though it's like Los Angeles or something like superior. that. <laughs> like sort of taking on the like the pronunciation of the source language, even though you're speaking English, there's a sort of pretentiousness to that often. I feel like yeah, there's a lot of humor in it. You. I have a I have a camel story slash beef. Do we, want to, do we want to hear the camel story? Please hit us with the camels camel are, beef. Camels are evil, also. Um, maybe not on the level of geese, but I feel like it's just because they haven't organized yet. Do camels um, have bobbed tongues? So, I was, when I was little, I don't know, I said, probably not, but when I was little, we went to um, Tunisia, and we did the kind of like tourist, you know, package or whatever, and like one of, a, one of the things was a camel ride, and yeah, the camels, they do spit. Um, but also, um, there was a woman that was on the back of the camel. And I don't know if you know, like, I don't know if you know how you get on a camel, but basically, like, they're trained to kneel down. 
So you climb on them and then they stand back up again and you're basically like stuck up there. Like you can't, unless you, you know, want to tuck and roll and pray for the best, like you're on top of this camel until the camel kneels down again. So this woman in our tour group got onto the camel and the camel stood up and then decided that it was no longer satisfied to have her on its back. And so it started to pee um, and it took its tail, which is like this kind of broad, like, I don't know, like spongy sort of furry <laughs> thing. And it like put it under itself, peed all over the tail, like soaked its tail in, in its own pee and then hit her with it like oh, repeated nice oh, no so <laughs> it's just it was like it's the I mean, tool it, use <laughs> it was it was like it was like pure right and she couldn't there was nothing she could because she couldn't get down and the camel's like no i'm just gonna and so it did i mean it just over and over and over until she was just like saturated in camel pee just because against like, the geneva convention right <laughs> <laughs> and then, yeah, so like, and that was like the, that was like just the worst thing that happened. You know what I mean? But like the, all the other camels were like trying to, like, we were all walking in a line, you know, and like the camel behind everybody was like trying to bite the camel and the person on the one in front. And like, I don't know, but the, but that camel, like, he clearly had a plan and, <laughs> and an agenda. And like, yeah, it was, I don't know, but it was very upsetting. Camel pee is not a good smell and it's definitely not a good smell when you're in a tour bus with someone. Who's like <laughs> saturated in oh, it? Oh no! So they, I, I they, don't know. I guess I have a little bit of sympathy for the camel as well, because I wouldn't want to be like a slave that got ridden around on as well. Yeah, I mean, it was impressive. Like, it was a very, but it was. I mean, it was just horrifying because you couldn't. You just like watched it happen, and there was enough executed. Yeah, it was insane. Anyway, so camel. I've been. I won't say that I've ridden an elephant, but I have sat atop an elephant in Thailand, so that was very cool and fun, but I suppose it kind of felt a little weird, because elephants are such such intelligent animals that it's kind of like, feels a little bit like slavery, maybe. <laughs> but, yeah, I don't know, I guess they like like being ridden around for the part that they get the fruit after it. But there's the, the guy who rides the elephant, he has this like big like hook that he uses to steer mm-hmm. the elephant by the ears or something. Mm. Uh, I don't know. But it was fun yeah, to I'm feed like... them like watermelons and stuff and they just take it with their trunk and put it in their mouth and crunch it up like in one bite. Which is I sort of, I mean, sort of, elephants. sort of suggests but... that they are at the very least like tolerating your interaction with them because that could just as easily be your head, I feel. Um, yeah, you know what I mean? Like, I'm very conflicted about because like I fucking love elephants. I they're amazing, and I would love to ride an elephant, you know, like so much. But I also feel like they're not treated very well, and so I'm like very conflicted about how like if I ever got an opportunity to like pet an elephant or like hang out with an elephant or ride an elephant because I want to, but like. Because you'd want to vote with your dollar and not contribute to the mistreatment of your beloved elephants. Yes. And it's like, because like, I know that's, you know, when you people, um, you know, when they go to like South Africa or Thailand or whatever, they all like, that's like the touristy thing to do. And I'm like, I want, I too want to do it. But is it okay to <laughs> I do? I too desire the elephant. When we lived in India, it was like the, one of the go-to like birthday entertainments was to like have. Elephant. like instead of a pony ride right like you would have an elephant come to your birthday party and like 
you know, like all the kids would ride the elephant. Oh, that sounds amazing. It, was, elephant, it really was. You would have it an really elephant was. come to your birthday party that sounds yeah. like it's coming independently yeah. with no Next trainer year. or yeah. anything. <laughs> you just invite it and like give it yeah. some cake. But like the, well, the payment was the elephant's food for the day. Like you had to pay because the upkeep was such in like an elephant that, um, but yeah, so, but I mean, I, I, you know, I don't pretend to know this, the sort of living conditions of birthday elephants in India with any kind of like realistic, but I mean, I will say that they were a source of livelihood, like a, like a critical source of livelihood for their keepers. So, I mean, they're, they were treated at least as well as you would, you know, a, a really valuable resource, which is... Yeah, I guess it's better than the ivory trade, at least. Uh, well, yeah. That. Probably. But it's like, I think about, you know, like the, the the paintings by elephants or whatever, like the elephants that are trained to do that are treated so horribly because like to get an elephant to paint a picture, you have to like basically like get it to become so submissive that it will, you know, like do this thing that it's not really supposed to. And so like they're treated so horribly and everything. But also I would like to say that next year I'm having my birthday in India and you're all invited and we're going to ride an elephant. <laughs> We're going to go to the birthday party <laughs> elephant. It's happening. Oh, that would be amazing. Yeah, I don't know. I uh, want to go back to, like, uh, the fears and um, kind of phobia-like things. Abby, you were talking about being afraid of spiders dropping in your hair from above and, like, being kind of paranoid about that almost. Like, I have that yeah, same thing when I'm swimming, when I, like, when I... I, something touches my leg when I'm swimming. That's like a, I'm like, oh, it's a shark. Oh no, it's a giant octopus. That's gonna kill me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I I remember my or, overnight camp. Um, there was a lake, and I was I don't mind if like, I'm not afraid of most like little fish. You know what? Not like fish like the size of my hand. You know whatever. I don't give a shit. Like they can bite my toes and whatever. I don't really care. But then someone once told me that there was like this big fish. And I don't even know if this is true or not, because, like, probably someone was just trying to fuck with me. But there was, like, a big fish in the ocean, in the lake. And I was like, okay, I'm never stepping foot in this lake ever again. Because the big fish could try to bite my toes. And that would be scary. Isn't that, like... Or you walk... Like, fish tails? Or saying big fish is, like, uh, like a synonym for a lie? Or, like... <laughs> that's a... Yeah, I mean, like, they didn't say, like... The big fish story, fish. Talk... yeah. Yeah, they were talking... Actually, big fish... Maybe that's, too, a, that's a that's a book, right? That's um, a movie with you and McGregor in it. I think, yeah, yeah. List. But it's like about like fantastical things. I I watched that movie so many Tall years tales, ago. Tales, yeah. Yeah, but like I remember someone was like, because someone caught a fi- a big giant fish like this. I did like not a big, not like a humongous fish, but like a pretty big fish that I did not expect to live in the lake, and I was like, mm, <laughs> not happy about that. Yeah, Peter, when, when we went to the beach in Finland, especially, like, I feel like you guys have murkier water and more terrifying creatures there or something, but like, I kept feeling like stings on my legs and I had worked up all the courage to go into the, you know, freezing cold water and then I would just scream and run back out on the beach and it would take me another like half hour to kind of work my courage back up that I wasn't being like stung by a thousand jellyfish and then it would happen again and I would scream and everything. It was not a relaxing day at the shore. The sea is quite tame. There aren't any monsters in there, right? Everything. Frozen. <laughs> I guess there are some seals, but those are cuddly, cool animals, not monsters like sharks. Or, I mean, I guess there might be jellyfish. I was in Denmark one time, and there were tons of jellyfish, but I'm not sure if that was on the Atlantic. I don't know. 
I have nightmares that like monsters crawl out of the Mariana's trench and like find me and I'm like <laughs> not you. even living. Like, I've literally never lived by like you ocean. personally. Yes, I have. Growing up, I had awakened. dreams that somehow these sea monsters, like these sea fish, like came from the Marianas Trench all the way in Australia, got to like landlocked Chicago, you know, like somehow got into Lake Michigan and found me. <laughs> That's some Lovecraft. Wait, did they steal Pacific Rim from you? Raped it straight out of Abby's nightmares. I have to yeah, say, I do really appreciate how this chat is turning into, like, at least equal parts are beef with animals and, like, animals' issues with us. Like, you know what I mean? Like, the animals <laughs> that are that are getting for us in addition to... Um... <laughs> well, see, and, like, um, you know, being in Chicago, all we have is a fucking big-ass lake and, like, rivers and shit like that. So, like, I'm always afraid of, like, shit like leeches and snapping turtles and random fucking creatures like that oh leeches oh those are awful you know yeah, oh, you know what appealing in appearance they or behavior i was just thinking like um i watched that show on i think it was on animal planet about noodling and that uh, that shit freaked me out so bad because they were like it was it was like a greatest hits of all the things that we've been talking about right so like your your objective is to get oh it's it just for context like it's when you fish for catfish with your hands so you use your fingers as the lure and yeah so your objective is to get the catfish to like latch onto your hand enough so that you can like pull it into the boat and and defeat it but you have to you go like you know chest deep into these rivers in catfish country and like stick your hand in holes that like you hope a catfish will bite you, but there's leeches and there's snakes and there's, you know, God only knows what else that lives in these rivers. And you like, yeah, if it was a snapping turtle, you might lose a few fingers. But like, you don't know. I mean, it goes against every human instinct I have to be like, I can't see in this water. I'm going to stick my (laughs) hand in this hole and like hope that something. Why I don't trust water. Oh man. Yeah, yeah, I think that's probably like near clear water. Part of yeah, the appeal same. of it that it's like overcoming your own fear. Like, I think they've done oh some God. sort of tests like with people like uh, putting a snake behind some thick glass and having people stand next to it and like having the snake strike the glass and people trying not to flinch or something like that. And people can't do it, they just always flinch. I guess oh. the noodling might be kind of like trying to just like do something so terrifying and kind of i guess there's a lot of adrenaline in it would be probably and you you probably feel pretty brave after doing it yeah i mean like the show that i I forgot what it was called but it was it was about like noodling tours right so like it was professional noodlers who hosted like a a noodle overnight and you know you would go and like do a campfire you know sing along and like make your s'mores and then the next day you would all go noodling and like you know, I don't know. It's just, but it was so as you know, city, city folk like you know subjecting themselves to this sport of demons. Um, <laughs> the wild nature, yeah. But then, you know, then monsters that they, in the wild. They were all like, you know, comparing. They were like, you know, her fish was the biggest fish that we've, you know, and they were all comparing their like catfish bites and like just, oh god, it just. <laughs> but it did seem very exhilarating in the way of like, you know, you had overcome your perfectly reasonable fear of not sticking your finger into something's mouth. Like, yeah, that does sound like a 
unique subculture, let's say that. Do you guys have any fears or phobias about larger animals like um, bears yeah. or something like that? Wolves. My mom is very afraid of wolves from her childhood because I think there were reports of wolves being sighted in her area or region, and it's she's carried that for the rest of her days. Wow. But she never had a she never had an encounter. It was just like... no. I don't think she ever had a wow encounter herself. Yeah, the, I mean, I am, I've ha- I'm afraid of bears, obviously, and like I, we encountered a bear in Alaska once, but we were like quite far from it, and also on bikes, so we just like biked the other way. <laughs> but like, I wouldn't say like I have like a phobia of bears. Like, I guess the healthy animals, respect. Yes, healthy amount I'm, of fear. I do also would love to pet a bear because they are so fuzzy looking. <laughs> I mean, I never would, but like I would if, you know, a bear cub, we could do that army thing, you know, the U.S. Army thing where they had that bear cub and they like trained it to smoke cigarettes or whatever. It was just probably pretty shitty. But Uh, otherwise, at the rank of sergeant, didn't it? Yeah. But. um, Yeah, I I think some some sort of wildlife reserves or zoos do that where they can arrange meetings. One on one with a bear, or maybe not one on one, but with a trainer. It's probably in there. so unethical. One on one. Get in the room with the bear now. <laughs> you and the one... bear get a nice meal alone. Like <laughs> one bear enter, one human enters, and one bear leaves. Yeah, no, I. Am... I uh, oh, so when I was on my honeymoon in Mexico, I held a tiger cub. And I know that that's wrong, and I know that it was probably, it lived a horrible life, and I, I feel... I guess that's so awesome, though. It was so fucking... Uh, like, I, I mean, I, Oh, my God. <laughs> like, every part of my body, I was like, this is this is so wrong, but, like, it's... A, and then the, we took a picture of the sign, too, because I had all these, like, so what you were supposed to do and stuff, but everything had been translated as the puppy, so it was like, <laughs> you know, like, don't put your hand near the puppy's face, like, don't put... But it was a fucking baby tiger, like... I don't know. I, I you know, I, I deserve it. Yeah, so. get if we, if I we guess get it. so cool. So oh. powerful and beautiful and strong and fast. Oh, tiger. Something, yeah, actually, I'm thinking, this is a, a tiger, obviously, but like, so when I was in the Cayman Islands, we swam with stingrays, and like, that was really cool and not terrifying for me for some reason. Like, I think it was, like, I was like, they, I, they told me, like, they, the stingers or whatever were like, Actually, I don't remember if the stingers had been removed or if that's, like, possible. But, like, I was not afraid at all of these stingrays. And, like, that was, like... Was this post-Steve very... Irvin? Yeah, yeah, this was just a couple years ago. And, like, also, I, they weren't both stingrays or whatever. But, like, I was... Because, like, I am super afraid of the ocean. Like, so afraid. But you have to be in the ocean to swim with stingrays. So I was, I like, wow. you know, like, wow. I, stingrays I, I went... are very cool, though. Yeah, I have a stingray tattooed on my body because I love them so much. Cool. They're very, like, I don't know, very alien looking, like the way they glide that they're like these, I don't know, people sometimes refer to them as like angels or something, but they're like. They have little smiley faces underneath. (laughs) So cute. At the aquarium that we go to, there's a. There's a touch tank where, like, you can, you can, like, pet the stingrays and stuff. And I love it because they have a very, um, apparent playfulness to them that I find like fish don't usually have 
but yeah, so they, they'll come up and they'll like slash you and, and kind of like yeah. slap and stuff. And then you pet them and they slash you again. You know I mean? Like, so they're clearly like interacting because they can just stay in the center of the tank and like, fuck you. Yeah, you no, know what I mean? They, like, yeah. I remember I had asked the guy um who like took us out, you know, to like find the stingrays. And he was like, they're really friendly because they're used. I mean, like, I don't know if he was telling the truth or not. You know, like I, anything with animals, I'm like, you know, these animals could all be being abused. I don't know. But he was like, yeah, they're really friendly with humans because, like, they're so experienced with, like, these people coming here every year and da-da-da-da-da. But I am still false. Actually, I have beef not with stingrays but about stingrays because my high school always had prom at the Shedd Aquarium. And my senior year, the contract was up with the Shedd Aquarium, and we did not get to have our prom at the Shedd Aquarium. Oh, you were cheated out of your birthright. I wanted to pet the stingrays so badly because the next year they had prom at the Shad Aquarium and like I was I was dating this guy in um my junior year of high school which is 11th grade and um if you you have to be a senior or 12th grade to go to prom or you have to be like invited by someone and I was so close to going to Shad Aquarium prom my junior year but then we didn't last but like I was so well, you should have just stuck out for the <laughs> I literally like if I had known that we weren't gonna get the shed aquarium for our prom, I probably would have. <laughs> Honestly, I can I can sense the rage in this story by the way that you're saying the full name each time. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, I was about to say. <laughs> just go to book Zoo. They have a. Uh, I mean, stingrays are baller. Zoo has a, a place to pet the stingrays. But it would have been like a private time with the stingrays because no one else would be at the aquarium. In your pretty tra- dress as well. Yeah, it would have been magical oh, yeah. moment. Oh, that's really really cool. I'm kind of sad for you. Yeah, we had our permit. Yeah, my son's an EVP. We went to the but... aquarium in Chattanooga. He like didn't want to touch anything. He's like, oh, it's so weird. Didn't want to do it. And so we finally got him to touch one of the stingrays, and he stayed for like an hour chasing stingrays and got like so wet. <laughs> It was cute. Oh, nice. And yeah. they're getting over that threshold, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I, I do. guess I... Oh. Go ahead. Oh, I didn't have anything profound to say. Oh, I have something very profound to say. I um, When I have, have had nightmares, I usually, if there's like a monster that I'm trying to get away from, or if it's uh, something stronger and larger than myself, it'll usually be a bear. And I've often had nightmares of being eaten alive by bears and like trying to get into a car when a bear is chasing me. And oh, often my yeah. dad is there as well and I can't help him. That's really scary. Yeah, then usually not very fun time. And then the, there's been a few times when I've been like thinking to the bear, like, okay, just bite me in the head, just kill me. I don't want to, I don't want to be alive when you eat me alive. But that's usually when I wake up, though. So anyway, <laughs> that's enough about my nightmares. Would that's you guys <laughs> like to like to go into talking a little bit about animal epithets and like these insults or insults or it's the reverse insults, flattery when somebody likens you to an animal. Or calls you an animal. I feel like this is interesting in the language department. Like we talked a lot about uh, parasites and insects earlier, and that definitely permeates our language in like calling something lousy or 
Fleabag or something like that. So those are like, and maggot is something that you might call a recruit that's in basic training, I suppose. So in the Iliad, I'd say my. Oh. <laughs> oh. Um, my favorite insult is um people call each other bitch face or bitch eyes. Um, and I guess I mean you could translate it as dog eyes. Yeah, in the Iliad, yeah, it's like a it's like a um pretty consistent insult in the Iliad, like or or dog or bitch, right? But um, but Helen calls herself a, a bitch face. Um, and then later she calls herself a Kuon Kakomekanos, which is a, um, a nasty bitch, uh, like a Kakomekanos would be like a, like a, like an evil puppet master, right? Like a mechanator of, <laughs> of bad really things. Uh, yeah, it is, right? So like, but it's, yeah, that, that idea that, um, dogs lack uh, like they're very integrated into human society, but they lack idos, which is um, like like shame. Um, but the particular kind of shame that keeps you adherent to like social expectations, right? So um, the philosopher Diogenes, the cynic, like was you know infamous for peeing at dinner parties and like doing the kind of things that a dog would do just because they're a dog, but like. They no don't shit. give a shit about your rules. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, like, I guess like a lack of a super ego or something like that. But, no, I think yeah. dogs are a good place to start, definitely. I mean, that just reminds me that we have this very common insult, as opposed to the bitch that has kind of been reclaimed in some ways that can be kind of empowering to call yourself a badass bitch, I guess. Or Yeah. But I guess it differs a little bit. Like, I guess... If a man is called a bitch, that might mean that they're weak. But if a woman is called a bitch, they might be mean or something. Like that's the sort of impression I usually get. Yeah, that's an interesting um, like gender uh, dichotomy, isn't it? Or like it's it's a in in both cases, I think it's like behaving contrary to social expectations, but like in very different directions. I think. Would a bitch be like an animal or a human that's always yapping or like whining or just being a, like a nuisance? Because, yeah, I guess you can you know. bitch about something which would be oh, that's true. like complaining. Yeah. But it's like also, I mean, again, to like a little bit of like a feminism argument here, but you know, it's like a woman is a bitch, a man is boss. Like, is, um, like if a woman is being bossy, she's a bitch. And if a man is being bossy, he's being like authoritative. Tortative, so assertive like, or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like it can mean to be whiny. And usually, like, if it's used in the context of like um, calling a man a bitch, like, like you said, you know, it's like saying, like, oh, you're acting feminine. <laughs> As yeah, like, like I think Theon Greyjoy like, is a bitch. <laughs> okay. But yeah, I, I mean, think I would, in, in, I if would, a man I, was being, a, I'd say they're being an asshole rather than a bitch. If a woman was acting rude and sort of, uh, yeah, exactly. let's say, pompous yeah. or arrogant, I'd say a man would be an asshole in that situation. But, it's funny though because it's like so if a bitch is applied to you know like yeah like a character like Theon Greyjoy is such a bitch like he's such a little bitch um, it's like a demeaning you know like you are a um, it's a slinking weak little yeah but if it's rat. applied to a woman <laughs> it's it's not saying that she's like weak it's saying that she's like it's like Asha annoying she's like nasty. yeah yeah she's like nasty and annoying and like. It's it's weird. <laughs> well, that's what I'm saying though. Like if you're if you're applying it in that way, arguably they're each behaving contrary to 
the ideal behavior for that gender, right? And I mean, obviously there are questions too, but so you're saying like a woman is being overly assertive, she's being dog-like, but if a Whereas a woman should be peaceful as a dove or a lamb or something like that. Right, exactly, yes. A little bird. There's a, like, um, an opposition to social expectation in both, in both cases, but the expectations are different to begin with, so. See, and that's why I like the reclamation of bitch, um, like repurposing it as in terms of something more positive. Because, like, you know, sometimes you got some really good tea and you just want to be like, bitch, let me tell you. <laughs> or yeah, something you can be bitch used sort of affectionately. But, like, yeah, it's like, oh, this party is bitching. Like, it's good. No one would, I don't think people say that anymore. That's right, like yeah. very early 2000s. But like it all, it's it's very weird. <laughs> the the, the multiple English swears yeah. are interesting like this because like it's like the same thing with like sorry this is nothing to do with animals now but like fuck like that has so many meanings and like it can be good it can be bad like what is it <laughs> it, doesn't, it doesn't make sense. It's a force multiplier, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, that's a good yeah. Yeah, I think we were talking about in the call to arms thread, we were talking about like the difference between calling someone a fucking rat or a rat fuck or rat fucker actually were the examples we had up there. Yeah. Yeah, it's the, it's the subject object, uh, dichotomy. <laughs> At least you're taking the initiative versus, you know. Yeah, like you, you stole my cookies, you're such a fucking rat, but like, I don't know if someone is a rat fuck. What would that be like? Or if you rat somebody out. Oh, yeah. yeah. I think I think a rat fucking thing like like sleazy. I feel like those are two different, very different things. Like if someone's like a rat, or if they're like a rat fuck. But yeah. yeah what, what what do you what images does rat fuck conjure in your mind when you hear the <laughs> like word? not just just like not just like someone who's like a snitch or who who you know I see a dirty tank like or whatever but like in every corner there's being like someone who's just like a shit from the top to the bottom you know what I mean like no redeemable quality yeah like some sort of greasy criminal with a dirty tank top and a patchy facial hair that's probably what a rat fuck yeah, like, is oh, I would say a rat fuck is an, a rat fucker is an equivalent to like a douchebag whereas a rat? I think it's, I think it's somebody like sleazier than a douchebag. Like I, I, I think sure a douchebag at least wearing like something from Abercrombie, but like no, 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 a no, douchebag is stuck cap, up. Yeah, backwards cap, you know, board <laughs> shorts, you know, whatever. Um, but like a rat, I mean, I think I, a rat fuck doesn't care that they're sleazy and gross. Yeah, they yeah. embrace right, right. it. They, they, <laughs> like they would sell their own mom. They don't care. They they don't even care about themselves all that much. Like they just kind of like care about being a piece of shit. Is the implication? Yeah, Whereas like, like a, a rat, character, you might say that like your best friend, you know, was a rat, ratted on you, and you're like, you know, I love you, man, but you're a rat. Like you might still have some respect for a rat, but like um, a rat fuck is like there's just nothing redeemable about you. Yeah, I think a rat fuck being played by like a young Steve Buscemi in, like you said, being like a dirty tank top, <laughs> right? Like yeah, that's a good point. Good point. <laughs> He's just a normal, average high school teen. Yeah, I don't know. I guess, like, I would say that calling someone a rat is, like, 
very insulting versus calling someone like a rat fucker is like kind of you know calling someone a douchebag like it's not as it's it doesn't hold as much hatred i guess if that makes sense which one doesn't hold as much hatred rat fucker even though it, that one has like the more coarse language but like i don't know maybe that's just no, like, see, I, did, I, would, I would say the opposite yeah me too like like i don't yeah, know i guess I, I wouldn't probably use i might use like if somebody like farted or ate with their mouthful or something i might say you pig but like a little playfully but i can't imagine myself saying calling someone a rat or a rat fucker or sheep I can't fucker imagine or calling anything a, fucker. a pig fucker either right like there's <laughs> Any a kind yeah, of animal a... fucker yeah probably would, yeah. wouldn't be in my repertoire yeah. i really I like I... the word rat fucker. or a bear i, I really like that word <laughs> I like how this just got aggressively not safe for work. <laughs> like, we really took a turn here. Well, we're all family friendly here on Gritchy Chat. I'll say one of my favorite um, colloquialisms, too, is um, hair of the dog that bit you. That's what, a really good one. What the fuck does that even mean? I don't know. Oh, like, no? I mean, yeah, I, don't I no understand that, that it's having, like, because you're going through alcohol withdrawal, that you want to have some alcohol to smoothen the ride, but. Like, is it some kind of magical thing that you, like, when you make a voodoo doll, you voodoo no, doll, you need, like, a hair from the person? I I want to say that it's, like, a sympathetic magic holdover from uh, treatment for rabies. Like, that if you got yeah, bitten yeah, by a dog, that you could... Like, that's what they thought would help you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, that you, you would... use that in a poultice or potion of some sort, which, you know, obviously probably never did anything, but... Yeah. That's interesting, because that's kind of... Probably never did anything, but that's kind of what we do. Or I don't do this, but scientists do this, this with vaccines and like anti-venom and stuff like that. Like they will, I guess there is some real sympathetic magic going on in those situations. Then, I mean, it suggests that sympathetic magic isn't entirely misplaced, right? Because it's the it's the mastery of something by an encounter with a piece of it, or something. You know what I mean? So like it it does work on. A similar operating principle. Um, yeah, there's some metaphoric yeah. truth to it, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah, like taking control of what's what the problem is or what's the issue for you. Yeah, and like turning it to your advantage. Yeah. What about cow? How would you feel if someone called you a cow? Oh, Very offended. Rude. That's yeah. Quite gendered as well. That insult. Yeah. Yeah. You're like sloppy and yeah. I just I just remember kind that of reduced to your uh, reproductive function, I suppose, in a way as well. Oh, I don't necessarily. Yeah I, think, yeah, I think it's more just like I don't know, like a comment on someone's appearance. <laughs> yeah, you're just like a big sloppy, stupid woman. Like yeah. Yeah, yeah chewing but your like, cud. I yeah, I think, yeah. I, mentioned, I think I mentioned this in the in some thread, but like when I was in taking French in high school, like one of our textbook vocab sayings was, "You speak Span- French like a Spanish cow." And my teacher was like, "My teacher was like, he was like, okay, we're not gonna use that one." But I was like, that I'm like, okay, well, what does that even like? How like what? Like I understand it's insulting, but like why would it be insulting to call someone a Spanish cow? Like why specifically? Well, I kind of like. I mean, I like, guess because you have to pick a name of like you have to 
like a different language to make it clear that like it's a different language so it doesn't sound right and so like your accent is mixed and you have like a mush mouth would spanish sound like mooing to a french person though like I don't know. <laughs> oh, that's another um, thing that I, I want to talk about. Um, poor kids. Like how animals make different noises in different languages. Like, do they? Like, like the animals different ranges actually have different noises? I don't oh, think so. Yeah, the Murray is still on the call, but hasn't oh, said anything okay, in a long time. I forget how to say cockadoodle no, really sure. in French, but cool. it's really funny. <laughs> how do you say what? Cockadoodle do in French. I forget the. What, the what is that? Is that is that the the, the rooster. rooster? Ah, uh, cocorico. Oh, yeah, I love that. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> That's it. But um, there is actually some science regarding um certain like dialects that animals can have. I think they observed it with like sheep or rams or something that were like okay. living in one part of California and then living in like another part and they like had a bit of a different um call maybe or like vocal range something like that but it, it's not like a it, it, it's you know they don't make complex um words like we do so they don't have like they have they can have like an accent i guess yeah, but, some like, it's regional not, variation in their vocalizations yeah, not, i suppose and like i i think it would probably be like how they identify like oh this sheep might not be from our herd you know maybe like the, within the sheep oh, themselves with an accent from the wrong side of the fence i would expect it from from animals that live with humans like like cats or dogs maybe to cuz they they kind of i mean it is kind of how we communicate with them i mean i'm I meow at my cat, um, <laughs> but yeah. I, I feel like Me too. Uh, maybe, maybe in, in a way they could have kind of different voices depending on the human they are imitating. <laughs> but, but I'm not sure if that's I true. Think, yeah, I would think it would be more applicable, like with animals that live in large numbers, in terms mm-hmm. of like identifying the in-group versus the out-group animal like obviously they, they could probably smell them and stuff but they might just be you know like oh this sheep like like back to the sheep again like, sample like a sheep is calling and it sounds like it's from my herd so we should probably like go get it whereas oh yeah like penguin, sheep, penguins yeah have, eat, they each the, have a family call right like so that they yeah, can or like whales um mm-hmm. whales do uh, or maybe it's dolphins i don't remember but um I think Although I think, I can't remember if I asked my professor this or not, it, I think that, like, if a random whale is, like, hanging out and they hear a whale called from a different pod, like, I think that they still will go to help. But I can't remember, like, as long as they're the same species. Peter, do what do pigs say in prostitutes have a different call? Oh, no. Uh, what? Oh, is that penguin. dolphin prostitutes? Penguin or prostitutes. Penguin prostitutes. Do you think it's, like, they all use the same call to identify them? Hey, there, are pen- <laughs> there are penguin prostitutes. For rocks, or what do they? For regurgitated fish, or what is the oh, currency yeah. for the for the penguin prostitutes? Please, Adam, elaborate on the penguin prostitutes. You can't yeah, just you- drop that as a yeah. You can't drop just drop that, that one and walk away. <laughs> yes, yes, it is rocks. Um, I'm trying to remember now. Um, I saw them, but yeah, they they basically they uh, they get 
Hayden Rocks. I remember the specifics now, but yeah, well, what other currency is there, you know, in the yeah, penguin world? I guess fish, but they all seem to kind of share. Rocks are, you know, there's only a limited amount of them in the area. Like penguin diamonds. Yes. Yeah, but Sarah, you were asking about what pigs say in Finnish and they say yeah. in Nuf Nuf. I, I, okay, good. Um, my childhood lesson has been confirmed, and I didn't want to volunteer it. So that well done. Why do I know that, too? <laughs> I I also knew that pigs say that in Finnish. Have you mentioned this yeah, before? Yeah, okay, here it is. I, I found we, I we may have. I yeah, it was a childhood, it yeah. was a childhood so, trauma so, that involved. Sorry. <laughs> Go ahead. This is that nearly a third of, um, of a particular species of penguins cheat on their partner, in often cases with a member of the same sex. Um, a lot of times it's as the weather changes, the uh, their like stone shelters kind of start getting inadequate or they've lost stones, so they basically find people that have excess stones. And, um, yeah. That's how they get the stones they need. Wow. Well, it's all this profession, I guess. Yeah. Well, I mean... The more I learn about penguins, the more disturbing they get. Right? Yeah. I feel like but, that's I, mean, I guess I they, they live in a society. I mean, look, it, it, they fight over the rocks, and like they'll like kill each other or steal rocks. Why would any kind of creature fight over useless rocks just because <laughs> they look pretty? Monsters. <laughs> I mean, think about it. Think about it as like if lumber to build a house was a limited commodity. So, you know. Or you know, rocks. And you were missing, and you were missing a wall on the side of your house, and winter was coming, and you're like, "What do I got to do to get that lumber?" Time to go out and strut about and attract some clients to purchase your penguin services. This says they often go after males that like haven't had a chance to spread their seed yet, or the young and inexperienced males. It's a swift affair. They often misfire and don't hit the target. It's <laughs> just like the version of just like you were great, honey, and the guy said, "What happened? What?" Wow. And you just abscond with the stones. One particularly effective hustler was recorded swiping 62 pebbles within an hour. So, that's go. efficient. That's a that fast is, turnaround. Yeah, that's impressive and upsetting. Oh, mm. I have an update on the whale calls. Um, in my notes, it says that when they release distress calls, they only attract kin-related members of the pod, not random whales. Sorry about that. Oh. So no honor among whales. Hmm. Um. Guys, I'm gonna I'm gonna go because I have a slight ed- headache and I uh, it's been two hours. Okay. Yeah. Thanks for joining Marie. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Bye, Marie. It, was <laughs> it was very fun. Thanks, guys. That's see you around. Yeah. I Bye. actually have to go too because I need to pack Bye, my apartment because <laughs> I'm moving tomorrow. <laughs> okay. Well, oh, moving. I guess we can yeah. wrap up. Just... Come into a 
Since it's there. been two hours. Oh no, I'm moving. I'm moving to a different part of Montreal. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> but yeah, have a good time, or I guess I wish you strength with the packing and the moving. It can Thank be a you. harrowing experience. My friend who I'm moving in with is coming to help me move all my stuff. So. Oh, that's nice. You're moving. Yeah, the no, I'm moving into the blessing of the warrior in this mess. <laughs> I'm moving into her spare bedroom, so. And the warrior give you courage, and the smith give you strength, and <laughs> the father give you good judgment on where to place your furniture. Yeah. Really, you want the blessing of the stranger on that one, so you don't have to do any lifting yourself. But that can be hard to get. Oh, I won't have to. I'm too weak. My my friend does all the all the moving of the heavy things. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I, I'm not. May your weak. lights be. May your lights be spiderless. Thank you. <laughs> and burn it to the ground. Yeah, feel like uh, I probably want to schedule the next creature chat a little faster than the time that was between these two. Like, I think we could do the werewolves one pretty soon, like in a few weeks, Fuck maybe. Yeah. Fuck yeah, I'm ready to talk about Teen Wolf. <laughs> No, Which is nice. not that's, that's comparable to Buffy and <laughs> needs to air that <laughs> grievance that lingers because what is the matter with you? Sorry, but it was the first supernatural teenage show teenager show I could think of. No. I I was actually thinking about this the other day and I I came up with a better comparison, but I can't remember what it was. <laughs> I guarantee you didn't. <laughs> nothing I promise you. Up above. <laughs> okay. And does anyone else have any podcast that you'd like to advertise to t- tell our dear listener to participate or to look forward to listening podcasts in here on Vassals of King's Grave, a professional <laughs> and uh, esteemed podcast? I I do yeah, want to do a red wedding. We- seminar at some point but uh i want to i want to see if anyone would be interested in rehashing that ground with me um, what topic did you have in mind uh the red wedding and um yes i think the nature of evil so it's uh paul recur um and the nature of evil and um sacrifice and things like that but basically the the sub the subtitle would be um john or not just so um rob stark had it coming um <laughs> but that from sounds a, interesting from a sociological or an anthropological perspective, that the phrase did nothing wrong, um, or at least not as much wrong as. as uh... I am very interested in this, and I know I've literally said this for every one of your seminars and never come to one, but I. Yeah, will you're try. a big liar. You are a big liar. I I there was an actual reason that I couldn't come to the um most recent one, and it wasn't oh. because I didn't do the reading. It was I forget what I had going on, but something came up. But oh. I. I really want to go to one. Mm-hmm. Sure you do. Yeah. We'll believe it when we see it. <laughs> one day. That's right. Yeah, that's my long-term plan anyway. Yeah. So my expressed uh, interest doesn't actually count because it's uh, as um a person who could, who will be attending because we don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no. And I thought I might also put up a call to arms for snowpiercer to talk about that and maybe what we do in the shadows as well since people have been excited <gasps> to talk about that or chat about that in the... But... If, yes. if you put up a snowpiercer call 
I will be more motivated to finish season two. So. Cool. It would be nice to have you on that if other people are interested as well. I will be interested too in Snowpiercer. Cool. So now we have three people interested. That should be enough. I would happily rewatch what we do in the shadows again. Cool. Nice. Yeah, I don't think Valk has done an episode on what we do in the shadows, but I haven't checked though, but I probably I would have seen it. I don't it. think we have. Yeah. And then maybe this will be uh, my time to convince you to watch some of uh, other of Matt Berry's works. Yeah, I guess we got Bean's stamp of approval for the Year of the Rabbit as well, so that might be a place oh, to start. That's so good. He was really good on um, like Yeah. But okay, if that's all for future podcast advertisements, I think we can say goodbye from Creature Chat for this episode. And I would like to thank my fellow podcasters, and hopefully we'll see you again and chatting about creatures and other stuff. Thank you, Peter. Thanks. Thanks, and bye. Thank you. Thank you. Bye.